0: morning everybody welcome to a brand new year it's good to have you in the house of god today want to say hello to our church family meeting at other campuses those in correctional facilities across the state those who couldn't make it today watching online and then out in the lobby in the cafe i guess we've used nearly every chair we have in the building welcome everybody it's great to have you in the house praise the lord I have great expectation for what God wants to do. I kept hearing this phrase, more in 24. God wants to do more in your life this year than ever before. I'm excited. Nothing happens in the natural till it first happens in the spiritual and that's why faith is involved. We have to have faith that God's gonna move and I talk about it often, but it's easy for us to believe that he's more than able in everyone else's life. And today I want to encourage you to borrow faith from your neighbor because I can have faith for you and you can have faith for me and we'll see God move in supernatural ways. I believe God wants to give you some of those breakthroughs that you've been praying for this year to see miracles this year. I believe God's got some great things in store for us, but we have to learn how to trust him and open our hearts to him. That's what I want to encourage you to do today. Just allow God to do his work that only he can do. Let's pray for that, Lord Jesus. We pause for a moment just to welcome you once again into our hearts and into our lives. We thank you that you're better to us than we deserve. We echo scripture that we cannot live without you. It's in you that we live and move and have our being. So we thank you. That your presence and your power is in this place. Come on, sing this with me. And Jesus,
1: Jesus, how I trust him and how I Give us grace for grace to trust him all. and 'tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word and just Promise and just to know the saith the Lord. One more time, and Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him and how.
0: Just open your hands where you had at every campus. Lord Jesus, we receive the grace that we need to live this life for you, God. We thank you that you're the one that's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so today we pray that you would raise our level of expectation because you declared in your word that nothing is impossible if we would just believe. So today we fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We thank you that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence and your power is in this place. Speak to us, change us. Help us to be all you've called us to be as we place our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and tell God how much you love him one time. Yeah. Awesome. You can grab your seats at all of our campuses. If you have your Bible, you can turn to three different passages of Scripture. We're going to get there in a minute. We're going to start in Exodus 17, and then I'm going to take you to Matthew 17, and then we're going to end in Daniel chapter 10. Chances are you didn't get any of those. We'll get back to them in a minute. I want to pause for a minute and just celebrate the things that God's done. I think it's so easy for us to pray and to believe, and then God does miracles. We just move on, and we don't pause to give him the praise and the glory, sometimes the honor that he deserves. And I want to start by Christmas. I just, first of all, as your pastor, I want to thank you so much for inviting and bringing your friends. We had uh, over 16,600 people come to our Christmas Eve services. Isn't that amazing? That's crazy. Praise God for that. Here's the thing I want to celebrate. 802 people made decisions for Christ. Come on, give God praise. That's amazing. Truly incredible. In 2023, we saw a record number of people in a single year come to Christ here at iTown. 6,830 people made decisions for Christ. That's overwhelming. Praise the Lord for that. We're living in Revival Church. We need to pause for a minute and acknowledge how good God is. I also want to thank you for your generosity. Our vision offering this year, once again, was nearly a million dollars. Thank you so much for your giving. Praise the Lord for that. And, and what I'm even more impressed by was our December giving was stronger than any uh, month, any single month in the history of our church. And because of your generosity, we now have Bluffton fully paid for in cash to God be the glory. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Come on Bluffton. Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Concrete is being poured. The building will be arriving this week and things will be progressing quickly. And I'm so excited. So thankful for your generosity. Of course, we have it in our hearts to launch a Westfield campus and to purchase land in Westfield. We're working on that deal actively right now. And uh, the ITown Prep Website is available in 2024-25 school year. We are, of course, taking another step in the vision of our hybrid school, adding athletics and so many other things. And uh, I'm so proud of my wife and her team. They've worked so hard, and the website's completely redesigned, and it is up, and registration is now open. If you'd like to have your kids join us for the 24-25 school year, I'd encourage you to jump online, check it out, see all the things. It's very explanatory. It answers all your different questions, gives you an inside look into the school. And then I, more than that, would love to invite you to set up a tour, come and meet our team, come and meet all of our faculty and see the school in action. We'd love to host your family. Of course, that did not commit you to anything, doesn't cost anything. we just love for you to see what it's all about because we are going, uh, we, we believe in the educational model that works best for your family, but we feel called, Kate feels called, and I'm here to support her, to rescue a generation and I'm excited about it. I believe God's going to move in a supernatural way. Jesus-centered, athletically focused, and academic, academically excellent. We're going to crush everybody, praise the Lord, because it's all a competition. We're going to look good while we're doing it. If you're new to iTown, welcome. It's an awesome opportunity and an honor to have you with us this weekend. And I want to tell you for just a minute a little bit about our church before we study the Word. Uh, because we want to take you on a spiritual journey. Here's something that I've said, and I want to say this to everybody once again. I say it every year, and I learned it from my pastor, Chris Hodges. This will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. How your relationship with God goes impacts everything else in your life, and we're here to help you with that spiritual journey, and that's what it is. I'm not inviting you just to attend church on the weekend. I want to encourage you to take a journey with us, Because God's got so much more for you than just attending church. Attending church is wonderful. It's a big part of the puzzle and we celebrate and honor the presence of the Holy Spirit and God's word. But man, there's more to this. We wanna see the whole vision come to place in your life. wanna reach you with the message of the gospel, connect you, of course, in life-giving relationships, help you grow to a place of maturity and then help you go into your world and make a difference. And uh, that's where the true fulfillment comes when we find those gifts, when we find that place that we can make a difference. And and I'd love for you to interview the Go Team, those that serve during all those Christmas Eve services tirelessly, because they know that there are rewards in heaven. Every one of those souls are credited to our team's account just as much as anybody that stands on this platform. We're in this together, and that's the way you find fulfillment in this Christian life: is by being involved, making a difference in other people's lives, and. I would love for you to take that journey. It starts very simply today in what we call the grow plan. Step one is today at every single campus at one o'clock. Your campus pastors will tell you all about the vision of the church and what we're trying to accomplish. That'll help you know if this is a good church home for you. And I'd love to personally invite you to be there today here at Olson Farms. I'll be leading it myself at one o'clock. We sure love to have you. It's gonna be an amazing time. And I promise that you'll leave there with the clarity that you need. And it's gonna be a great year. Amen, everybody. I want to study the word for a few moments today. Let me read you this passage. We'll pray again. I'm going to read one that I didn't give you. This isn't one of the three places I told you to turn. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. If you become one of those crazy, radical followers of Christ and go off the deep end. No, he just said to everybody, as a matter of fact, when you fast. Because it was just a normal thing. The whole fasting culture was, was normal. It was Standard for a religious person in Jesus's time. He says, don't look somber like the hypocrites because they love to disfigure their faces to show people that they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that you, it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret. Read these words with me. Will reward you. One more time, he will reward you. Come on every voice, he he will reward you. There is a reward that comes from fasting. I want to talk to you today about the power of fasting. Let's pray, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to make it make sense to us. We invite you to do what only you can do. Make the words come to life. Help us to experience revelation so that we'll leave here changed. We honor your presence and your power. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And Amen. Today we are starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so it runs from today, January 7th, all the way through to the 27th. And I'm excited about it. If you're new to iTown, let me tell you the format. I'm calling our entire church to a 21 day fast. And if you've never fasted before, do not immediately panic. All right. I'll tell you a little bit more about what that looks like and how everyone can participate. But We also couple that, of course, with times of prayer and every morning we'll be meeting at all of our campuses at 6 a.m. for corporate prayer. And it's such an amazing discipline and a powerful time. Now, it runs from six to seven. We always start on time, always end on time. And some of you might be thinking, I don't know how in the world I would spend an hour praying. Well, first of all, we direct a large portion of that time so you don't have to worry about it. You have about 30 minutes of your own time that you can pace and pray and spend time with the Lord. And we have all kinds of prayer resources that are available to you in the Itown Church app. In fact, the top banner there in the app says prayer resources. You can click on those. There's lots of different outlines for prayer and resources for prayer. Of course, I would also encourage you to make that prayer list of things that you're believing God for and stuff that you're asking God to do in your life and maybe in your future dreams that you're asking God to fulfill and things that you'd like to see happen in your family, in your finances, really every area of your life. I always spend A couple of weeks working on that list, and then Kate and I talk about it a little bit, and and we begin to pray over it during the 21 days, and I would encourage you to do the same, and I promise that if you'll come at 6 a.m., that it'll establish an amazing discipline of prayer and worship in your life that will radically transform your life this year, and I, I think you'll fall in love with it, and if you can't make it in person, we're going to stream it, of course, as well on the app and the website, and then if you can't If you're not available, maybe you're trying to get, you know, jelly-faced toddlers to keep from burning the house down from 6 to 7 o'clock in the morning. We get it. We'll archive it as well so you can go back and spend that time with the Lord later in the day. But I'm excited about this season, and I want to spend today getting us ready for our season of fasting and prayer. And I'm actually not going to talk about the word of the year. We'll talk about that next week and probably start a series. But today I just felt led to talk about what happens when we fast and pray. I've spoken on fasting before, but I've got some fresh revelation that I want to share with you today. And I want to first take you to Exodus chapter 17 that has a principle that teaches us about fasting, but the passage is not directly talking about fasting. So in this book of Exodus in chapter 17, Moses, of course, is leading the nation of Israel. They've just been set free from the promised land. They have not had any conflict or war up to this point. And this is the very first time in verse nine, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out and fight the Amalekites today or tomorrow. I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. And so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and her went to the top of the hill. Now, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him so he could sit on it. And then Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side, and and that made his hands steady until sunset. And verse 12 says, so Joshua was able to overcome the Amalekite army with the sword. This is a very interesting passage. And I don't know exactly why God chooses to do different things at different times. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but God's not a God, usually, of repetitive miracles. He likes to mix it up. God loves variety. And so this is the only time in the Bible that we find that someone had to hold up their arms in order to have some type of victory. But we do see here, the principle that we see is that as his hands were raised, for whatever reason, whether it was the favor of God or the angels of God that supernaturally got involved— Something happened when his arms were lifted, and then something happened when his arms would drop. For whatever reason, they would begin to lose the battle. And then the moment his arms went back up, of course, again, they would begin to win the battle. Here's the principle that I want you to take away from this, that the physical is connected to the spiritual. There are things that we do in the physical realm in this life that do impact the unseen world. And so jot it down this way. If you're taking notes today at every campus, physical sacrifice brings supernatural victory. Physical sacrifice brings supernatural victory. That's what all of us want. We want healing. We want freedom. We want holiness. We want blessing and prosperity. We want the promises of God to come to pass in our lives. We'd like to have peace, and we want to live with joy. We want to have the victory that Jesus sealed at the cross of Calvary. But this principle here teaches us that there's a connection between what we do physically and what we experience spiritually. It's not enough for us just to believe. I think a lot of people reduce morality or spirituality or, or their relationship with God or even the subject of faith to something internal, to something that's unseen, to a set of ideals or, or values. While all that's fine, even the Bible says in James that faith that doesn't materialize itself is actually worthless. At some point, it's gotta go from philosophical to the natural. It's got to have something practical. You have to actually live out the things that the Bible says. And that's true in every area of our lives. The Bible tells us to lift up holy hands and worship. The Bible tells us to give the first 10% of our resources to the house of God as a tithe in honor of God blessing us. And so it's not enough to say, well, I'm humble all by myself, so I don't have to fast. And I worship in my heart, so I don't have to lift my hands. And, And I I'm generous on every occasion that I'd like to be when I feel like I should be, so I don't have to participate in that tithe thing. And the reality is it needs to materialize. We need to be obedient sacrificially to the commands of scripture. In fact, there's a verse in first Timothy that specifically calls out guys and said, I want the men to lift their hands in church without anger or doubt. I want you to do it without being mad about it or without being like, this is the dumbest thing. It doesn't make any difference. I don't know what I'm doing. No, the Bible just says, be obedient to what the Lord tells us to do. And so even though we lift up our hands for most of the game until we drop the pass on fourth and one. <laughs> My heart breaks for all of our Colts players and coaching staff, and I too was crushed. I shed a tear, and I was like, I should have gone to sleep, praise the Lord. We all lift our hands in some of those environments, but God says, hey, it's not enough to worship in your heart. I want you to lift up holy hands. It's not enough just to be generous outside the church. I want you to be generous to the church. It's not enough to say, I believe in these things, and yet walk past people who need the love of Christ. They need you to share the gospel. They need you to be patient and kind and loving. It has to materialize. But when it does, there's something supernatural that takes place that connects to the unseen world and brings about the victory. And I want to spend a couple of minutes showing you why. Let's go to Matthew 17 with Jesus. Fun passage of scripture in verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. This is Jesus in front of the congregation speaking to his team. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long do I have to pay your salary? (laughs) For every leader in here that's ever said to your staff, I'm very frustrated with your performance and then felt bad about it because it was in a public environment. Just remember, you've never been more Christlike. People say, well, that's not very Christ-like. Actually, that's exactly what Jesus did. Can you imagine how bad the disciples felt when Jesus was like, how long do I have to put up with you? Literally, that's what he said. How long do I have to stay with you, and how long do I have to put up with you? You all are killing me. I can't just get just a demon. You can't cast a little demon out. Like, come on, fellas. And so he said, well, bring the boy to me. And he rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy. He was healed from that moment. Now, the principle here that I've taught on before is that he called his team, the disciples, unbelieving and perverse. These are two things that creep into all of our lives. If it hit the disciples, it'll probably get you and me that get us into trouble and keep us from experiencing the victory that God wants us to have. The first one, unbelieving, literally in the Greek just means that we're not connected to God. We're trying to do something on our own power. They were in that moment trying to cast the demon out of this child without having the right supernatural flow, the right tap into the anointing. They're just disconnected from God. And that happens to all of us, especially this time of year. We get around people that we don't like very much and we get out of our spiritual disciplines and our routines and we're not worshiping and we're not spending time with God. And maybe this is the first time you've been to church in a couple of months and, and, and we just kind of get in this funk. We're not carrying the presence of God. We're not carrying the anointing of God and we lose our spiritual power because we're just not connected enough to the Lord, unbelieving. And then he called them perverse. That just means too connected to the world. The reality is all of us get in these seasons and December sucks all of us in where I said we lose our disciplines. And when that happens, we fall back often into old patterns. Some of us have fallen back into addictions that God set us free from. We fall back into old mindsets. We're watching programs we said we'd never watch again. We're wasting our lives. We're off our diets. We're eating whatever we want. And we're binge watching stuff on Netflix, thinking when the new year comes, I'll start the diet on Monday. Can I get an amen? in God's house. We talk like the world. We entertain like the world. We're addicted like the world. And then we wonder why we have no power. Well, it's because Jesus said you're unbelieving and you're perverse. It's a condition that happens to so many of us and especially this time of year. So how do we fix the problem? Jesus in verse 19 tells us, So the disciples came to Jesus, I love this, in private. They were like, we're gonna wait till later. (laughs) We we ain't asking him any more questions in front of all these people because we're tired of getting embarrassed. So they waited till they were all by themselves and they said, hey, why couldn't we drive that demon out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed on planet Earth, it's like microscopic. So he basically says, you have zero faith. If you have just a mustard seed faith, you could say to a mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But he said, the problem that you're facing, this unbelief and perversity, that only comes out by prayer and fasting. So Jesus gives us the recipe to correct the course of our lives. When we get to the place that we're just drifting from God, we're getting so connected to the world that things aren't exactly working the way that we want them to, we have to correct through prayer and fasting. Prayer is obviously what connects us to God. And we're gonna teach you over the next 21 days how to spend time with the Lord and how to have a conversation with Him. You don't pray recited prayers and say things that you've been taught by others to say because that's not true prayer. We need to pray in the Spirit, we need to pray in our own intellect, but we need to have a conversation with the Lord. That's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. It's a continual conversation where the Holy Spirit speaks to us and God speaks to us through his word and we're praying to the Lord and there's back and forth that takes place. We have to reestablish that connection and we do it very intentionally in the month of January. Why? Because if we'll give God the first of our year, then the rest of the year will be blessed because we want this to be the best year of our lives and it can only happen if it's the best year spiritually. So we're going to be intentional to say, hey, the truth is, myself included, we, we've all, this, this time of year, we, we slow down a little bit. We get away from the things that we ought to be doing. We watch a little bit too much television. We get ourselves into some things that probably aren't as healthy as, as we would like at different varying degrees. And so we're going to say, hey, I'm going to get these disciplines back in place. I'm gonna get reconnected to the Lord. I'm gonna take 21 days to set time aside with the Lord and to be intentional about reading the Bible and picking a Bible reading plan or getting on to the Itown devotional and making sure that I'm getting the word in my heart. I'm gonna show up at prayer. I'm gonna rewatch it later in the day and I'm gonna set some time aside to pray and to fellowship with the Lord. But then that's not enough by itself. What we also have to do is fast because fasting is the intentional disconnection from the world. Remember, we got two problems. We're unbelieving because we're not connected to God, but we're perverse because we're too connected to the world. So i got to reconnect to God in prayer, but then I've got to disconnect from the world by fasting. And that's what fasting accomplishes for us. It's not proving our holiness to other people. That's what Jesus said. Hey, there's a reward for fasting, but if you go about with your face all messed up and you woe is me to everybody because you're fasting, trying to impress everybody with your spirituality... When they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Enjoy it because that's all you're getting. I don't know about you, but I don't want your reward for my fast. I want God's reward for my fast. I want what God has for me. And there's a reward that all of us can get from this season of fasting because physical sacrifice, jot this down if you're taking notes, brings supernatural power. The reason why we have the victory is because we walk in a different level of anointing because Jesus didn't have to stop and say, let me go fast and spend some time with the Lord, and I'll come back and cast this demon out. No, he walked in the anointing. He lived in fellowship with the Lord. His flesh was disciplined, so he didn't have to take a break and and go pray for a while so that he could come back and get the job done. Jesus was already ready to cast the demon out, where the disciples were in a relatively undisciplined state and didn't have enough connection with God and were too connected to the world. And that's what all of us have to do. we got to swing the pendulum back in January and get really close to God. Because I believe this is a year of miracles. I believe it's a year of signs and wonders. I believe it's a year of breakthrough. But we're going to have to pay the price. We want the victory, but we can't have the victory without the power. Now, go to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to give you two more things from this passage. Daniel chapter 10 is where we get the 21 days. I'll show you here in just a minute. We're going to start in verse 2, and I am going to read to you out of the New King James Version, which I don't always do, but I like the wording of this a little bit better. It says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. So three weeks there, 21 days, is where we get the time frame for our fast. There's different timings for fasts. There's a one-day fast, three-day fast. There's a 10-day fast in scripture, the hardcore 40-day fast by Moses and Elijah and Jesus. But we're doing 21 days. We feel like it's a good amount of time. What I want to draw your attention to is that Daniel was mourning. And I just wanna make sure you understand that fasting is not fun. Okay, if you've never fasted before, it's not like a party. It's not happy, happy, joy, joy, okay? And if it is for you, you ain't doing it right, okay? Fasting is terrible. I love what 21 days of prayer produces, but I dread it every year because just like Daniel, like there are things on your list and, and spiritually you enter in, I think, to carrying that burden. Like there's some things I'm praying God would do and there's some miracles that I wanna see take place and some healings that I'm asking him to perform and some breakthroughs and I'm carrying that spiritually and I'm making sacrifices in my life to see those things come to pass and I don't like any of it. I'm not happy about it at all. But there's this mourning as you carry it, and and I think that's the reason why it works. In fact, you should, on your own time, read Isaiah 58. If you have time this week, read the chapter, Isaiah 58, because it's about the nation of Israel, and God is chastising them over their fasting and then bringing a corrective word about why it's not working. But in verse 3, I want to highlight this for just a moment. They're praying, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, which is what fasting is. A part of that is a humility of I'm not going to decide for myself and I'm not going to live my own way. I'm going to humble myself to the things of God, the ways of God, the presence of God. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed, they said. Yet the Lord responds, here's why it's not working. On the day of your fasting, you're just doing as you please. And so what we're saying is, Yes, we have free will, and you can live as you please within the parameters of what God calls right and wrong in his scriptures all year long. But I'm going to consecrate the next three weeks to do something above and beyond, to push some pleasures away, to push some things away, because I've got some things I need God to do. I'm not just going to live however I want. I'm not just going to skip prayer and live how I like and never spend time in worship and prayer. No, that's not going to do anything for you. We have to make sure that there is a price that's being paid that we're actually investing into this. Now, what I want you to do is drop down now to verse 10. So we're established, verse 2, that Daniel is in this fast. Look at what happens in verse 10. Suddenly, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And this, it's an angel that appeared to him. And the angel said, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, I love that phrase, and I've never seen this before, but one of my heroes, Pastor Jensen Franklin, preached about this years ago, so I stole it from him. Hope you know I don't make all this stuff up. (laughs) Beloved is the Hebrew word hamad, H-A-M-A-D, H-A-M-A-D, and it means to desire or to delight, to take pleasure in. So in the middle of this fast that Daniel was in, the angel comes to him, touches him on the shoulder, and says, Daniel, you have become delightful to God. You are beloved. God is taking pleasure in you. God is noticing you. Now, go back to verse three and check this out. Verse three, he says, New King James still, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all until three whole weeks were fulfilled. A couple of things I want you to see there. First of all, when he says pleasant food, that word food in the original Hebrew actually also means bread. And so I think scripturally we can just establish that really good food in life is steak and bread. That's Bible. Bible that's what brings joy to life and so I just want all of those of you who are here today who are vegan to know our fast is your food which means somebody's got to be off and I don't think it's us so if you're a vegan I don't know what you're going to do for your fast maybe stop eating or maybe eat meat for 21 days I don't know Doesn't sound right, but anyway. The point is, Daniel said, I'm gonna push away food that I enjoy to eat and drink that I enjoy to drink for three whole weeks. That's how I'm consecrating myself. We'll get back to that in just a minute. The things that bring me joy, things that bring me pleasure. The thing that's fascinating is that word pleasant in the Hebrew is the exact same Hebrew word, hamad. Hamad it means to desire, to delight, or to take pleasure in. And that's why we have to understand the original language, because our English language has sometimes different words in how this is translated. Let me show you what's happening. What this means is Daniel is choosing to abstain from food that brings him pleasure. And because he is making that decision, he has become that same pleasure to God just by denying himself some things that bring him joy in this life all of a sudden there's an attraction there's there's some delight that God is taking in the fact that Daniel is making a sacrifice in order to get God's attention And I want you to hear today, when we make these sacrifices of fasting, there's something about pushing the plate away, pushing the world away, disconnecting from the normal rhythm of life that grabs God's attention. Because God has favorites in life. I don't know if y'all know that. It gets real quiet every time I say that. People are like, that can't be right. God absolutely has favorites. You can't deny it. There are some people that just, that everything they do is blessed and it feels like they can't make a mistake and they get into opportunities that nobody else would have access to. It don't make any sense. It's called the favor of God. Here's the thing I want you to know. You get to choose if you are one of his favorites. You get to choose that. Now, let me be clear. There is a drastic difference between God's love and God's favor. God's love is probably what you're thinking about. That's given out to all humanity. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Angels and demons, height nor depth, there's nothing you'll walk through in this life. There's no addiction you could find yourself in. There's no sin that you could commit. There's nothing in this life that can separate you from the fact that God loves you. And there's nothing good that you could do that would earn God's love even more than you already have it. God gives his love to all humanity in even amounts. But favor is different. Favor is something that is a gift and you can't manipulate it and you can't buy it, but there are things that you can do to attract it to your life. And obedience and sacrifice are two of the big ones. Fasting is one of those things that brings us to the place of the favor of God. So, jot it down this way if you're taking notes. Physical sacrifice brings supernatural favor. Daniel had the favor of God on his life. As a minority slave in a foreign country, there's nothing else that could describe his rise to power and his influence in the Babylonian kingdom able to point Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to positions of authority, second in command. Joseph had the favor of God on his life again. A minority slave in a foreign country, second in command. There's just things that you can't describe that happen in people's lives. But Nehemiah is a lesson about that. Nehemiah, too, was a foreigner and a minority He hears about the walls of Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah chapter one and how the gates have been burned and the people are unprotected. And he fasts, the Bible says, and he prays that God would make a difference. And at the end of that prayer, he says, now God, give me favor in the presence of this man. He goes into a king who had himself previously decided that Jerusalem should never be rebuilt because of its history of rebellion. And that king not only changes his mind, would never happen in that era, but he decides to fully fund the project on Nehemiah's behalf and pay Nehemiah's salary, along with paying for all of the building materials that were necessary to rebuild the city. That is the favor of God. The favor of God on your life is worth more than a thousand days of labor. It can open doors that nothing in this life can can open. And I'm telling you, I pray for the favor of God on my life all the time. And I pray that you do as well, because It is an irreplaceable, supernatural thing. The reason in life why we have power and the reason why we achieve victory is just because the hand of God that's on us. The favor of God. We should learn how to attract... The favor of God. And we do that, Daniel shows us, by pushing away the things that he desired. Now, there's lots of different ways that you can do that. I told you I'd help you with the practical side. Let me give you a couple of ways that you can fast. That for some people, they like the complete fast, and that's what you're thinking fasting is all about, like just drinking water or juice for 21 days, If you're considering that, you need to be kind of a pro at this and know how to prepare your body. You need to make sure that you talk to health professionals. Nobody needs to jump in and go on just water for 21 days when you've never fasted before in your life. Okay, that's a recipe for disaster. That's just silly. I would never lead you to do that. But some people will do that because they've been training themselves in fasting. Others of us, you could fast a day. You go 24 hours or from sunup to sundown, but that's called a complete fast. Then you have what we call a selective fast or a Daniel fast. That's what Daniel models for us. In chapter one, he talks about how he just had vegetables and water. And so uh, that's what we call a Daniel fast. There's different ways, in my opinion, to do a selective fast. You can decide different things that you are going to cut out of your life, things that you enjoy. For a lot of people, they'll cut out sweets or maybe cut out eating out or uh, they'll cut out different types of caffeine or caffeine all together. I always tell the story of the girl back in our college ministry, way back before we planted, I-Town, Kate and I were running the college ministry at Church of the Highlands, and a girl came up, she said, I'm gonna fast Starbucks. I was like, wow, coffee, that's a big that's a big step. You're in school, and she was working. I was like, "You make sure you have the energy. She was like, oh no, I'll be fine. I'm drinking gas station coffee. I'm just fasting actual Starbucks. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. So... You decide what the sacrifice is, all right? (laughs) Selective fast. Then there's the partial fast, or what you call a Jewish fast, and that's where you don't eat the morning and the lunch meal, and you just eat the evening meal. You can eat whatever you want, but essentially from sunup to sundown, you don't eat. Now, in this part of the country, that's like four hours of the day, so I feel like that might be a good one to choose. Praise the Lord for winter. It is a result of sin. Just in case you did not know, the weather outside is cursed. That's the devil. And then you have the soul fast, and this is the area that I probably encourage you more than anything. The soul fast is really where we're detoxing our souls from all the voices in the world. It's not that God's not speaking to you, it's that we have so many voices like when would he have a chance because we're constantly checking social media, checking the news, checking different apps and and, and watching, uh, binge watching our favorite shows on television and, and there's nothing wrong with having entertainment and enjoyment in life. But, uh, but during this season, those might be things that you would pray about. I would strongly encourage you to get off social media for 21 days. You'll find how toxic and irrelevant it is for your life. I, I strongly encourage you to, Find different forms of entertainment. Like one of the things I just love, I love reading the news. And I don't know why, I just, I'm old and I like the news. So I, I read lots of different news apps, like lots of different perspectives. But then I always fast at this time of year and I'm always shocked to find that three weeks later, it's the same five stories it was when I was reading it every day. And I'm like, how do they trick me every year? I feel like I gotta check it a couple of times throughout the day, but there's really not that much happening in the world. And so there's lots of different things. You can say, I'm not gonna binge watch five television shows at once on Netflix. I don't know, whatever it is for you, you're just gonna say, I'm gonna set that aside and I'm gonna cleanse my life. I'm gonna detach from the world. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a sacrifice. And that's the big thing I want you to get is sacrifice. In fact, jot this down if you're taking notes. If it doesn't move you, it won't move God. If you're not like, man, I really, I'm, I'm hurting right now, then you're probably not gonna make a very big difference in your fast. And just know, get prepared. Like, you could hate broccoli and say, I'm a fast broccoli. You'll be craving broccoli in two hours. You know what I'm saying? Like, every time you try, every time you tell the flesh no, it rages against you. So just get ready for that. Praise the Lord. All right, verse 12. I'm about to close. Then he said, this is the angel speaking to Daniel. Don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the entire time he was fasting, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, a demon, has blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time that's yet to come. Here's what's happening. Daniel prayed and on the very first day he prayed, the Bible says an angel was dispatched with the answer, but there there was this battle in the unseen heavenly world between this messenger angel and this demonic force that was over the kingdom of Persia. And it was preventing him from being able to bring the answer to prayer. I wonder when we get to heaven, how many times we'll find out that we prayed and that God actually dispatched the answer to us and yet we never heard from God feeling as though he didn't hear our prayer, prayer doesn't work, God doesn't listen, but the reality is there was a spiritual battle of the forces of darkness that were preventing the answer to our prayers from getting to us. Now the thing that's fascinating is that it tells us very clearly that this is something that takes place, that there's a battle in the heavenlies and that this archangel was dispatched, which is really incredible because there's actually only three archangels mentioned in Scripture. Gabriel, of course, is the one... Who always brings messages. Gabriel appeared to Mary to tell her about the virgin birth. And then, of course, we have Lucifer, who is now the devil, who is in charge of worship. And then we have Michael, who's mentioned in this passage, who is in charge of war. And Daniel, petitioning the Lord, activated these angelic forces, these higher levels of spiritual beings to come and to fight on his behalf so that the message could be released and given to Daniel. Now, I want to make a couple things clear. First of all, there is no war between God and the devil. The Bible says, I saw the devil fall like lightning. When he ascended to heaven and said, I will ascend to the throne, I will make myself like the most high. When he decided he would no longer give worship to God, but wanted to receive the worship that was due God, God said, nope, that's enough. And boom, the fight was over. He was on the ground, on the earth, like what happened, I'm not sure. It it wasn't even a fight because God created the devil and is so much more powerful than him that it's not even a competition. In fact, Jesus actually says that I drive out demons by the finger of God. Literally, the Bible says that God gives the devil the finger and that's it's over. (laughs) And that's the King James Version. So don't be mad at me if you're religious. That's just the Bible. What we can't be naive about is that there is still a spiritual battle that is raging between the angelic forces that exist in God's creation, angels of light and angels of darkness. And there is a battle raging to keep your prayers from being answered, to keep you from getting clarity, to keep you from receiving your miracle. And the Bible tells us very clearly that a physical sacrifice like fasting is what activates supernatural help. Jot it down if you're taking notes. It activates supernatural help. Now, we don't talk about this enough in the American church, but we need to have solid theology on the role of angels and the fact that they exist. They're higher beings, they're more intelligent than us, they're not prone to sickness, they're not going to die, they don't go to the hospital, they've lived since the creation of the world, they have far greater power than we have, but their job is to come alongside and to assist humanity. In Hebrews chapter one, outside of of course worshiping the Lord, In Hebrews chapter one and verse 14, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits that are sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's us. And so angels are sent to protect us and to surround us and to strengthen us and to help us. And there's proof of that. All throughout scripture, after Jesus resisted the devil, the angels came, the Bible says, and ministered to him. Psalm 91 and verse 10, it says, no harm will overtake you and no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone so every one of us has what we call guardian angels we talk about that all the time that they i really believe with all of my heart if god were to open our eyes to the spirit we would see this room filled with angels that were helping us worship god protecting everyone in the place now i just want you to know that kate's angels are really bored She follows the rules and drives the speed limit and lives safe. And she's very cautious and she's very calculated and planned. And my life is just not like that. I have Navy SEALs protecting me. (laughs) I think they get kind of tired and I keep getting hurt. And I'm like, come on, God. And I think he's like, well, that's on you. You know, like how many angels can we send you? It's ridiculous. But I remember moments I look back and honestly, I shouldn't be here today. There's so many times in my life, like when I was 17 years old and my grandfather and I are running from the secret police in China, getting in a car and barely turning the corner as the police arrive and hiding under blankets and driving around the city trying to make sure that they don't find our hotel. You know that they had some, that an angel appeared as a grandma and walked out in front of that car, right, when they were coming to arrest us. I just know that in some of the plane flights I've been on, that the plane should have crashed and for whatever reason the angels were out there steadying the wings. I remember in high school, we were driving to a basketball game and I was telling him I was sitting in the back seat of this Eagle Town, little two-seat car. I'm stuck in the back or two-door car and it's tiny and there's four of us in there. I was like, go, come on, slam on the gas. What's the matter with you? And so he does, but it's snowing because we're idiots and we're in high school. And we slam into a box truck that we didn't see was there. We hit the gas tank. Gas is flooding all over the car. My friends run away as I watch gas pour all over the industry. While the car is still running, I'm thinking, this is it. I'm stuck in the back seat. Nobody let me out. I'm going to die. Car never blew up. I don't know why, except for angels were there just protecting. I'm here today because I believe this is a reality. Angels surround and guard and protect us. And we need to awaken to the fact that we can, by prayer and fasting, activate that supernatural help on our behalf, just as Daniel did. In Hebrews chapter 13, it tells us in verse 1, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters and don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. So while they're invisible and the Bible tells us that they have eyes everywhere and wings and they all look crazy and fire and all this stuff, they still can actually take on a human form and you would never know it. I wonder how many of us have had conversations with angels. I think sometimes God sends these quirky people into our lives that you, and when they leave, you're like, my spirit is just, I don't know. That was, that was like, where did they go? They just disappeared and I never see them again ever. And I think sometimes God just is like, how are you going to treat people? Are you going to love everybody? Are you going to care for everybody? Are you going to be hospitable to everybody? Entertaining angels. Now, clearly in scripture, they're not to be worshiped and, John, he got the revelation in Revelation chapter 22. He fell before the angel. The angel said, no, 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 don't, don't worship, only worship God. Angels are not to be worshiped. They're not to be prayed to. It'd be foolish for us to do that, but it would also be foolish for us to ignore the fact that they have a purpose and a job. Fasting is an act of physical sacrifice and obedience that releases them to fight on our behalf. And I know sometimes you've probably heard the phrase, new levels, new devils. And I know, I understand the thought behind it is the greater influence you have, the more the devil wants to attack you. And I understand that. But at the same time, I think sometimes it puts people in fear of like, well, I don't want to have too much influence because then the devil will know who I am. (laughs) I got bad news for you. The devil already knows who you are. (laughs) And I want to go higher and higher in the Lord because we are the army of God. And who has more protection? A new private that's just enlisted or a five-star general? When you're in the battle, the five-star general gets to be a part of the battle plan and has a whole army surrounding him. I'd rather be that. I'm not worried about the devil. He's a defeated foe. The Bible says he's under our feet. We have authority over him in the name of Jesus, and we have angels protecting us. I love the story of Elisha. I'm almost done. Second Kings. It said, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city because they had come to capture Elisha, he says, "Oh, no, my Lord, what should we do? Don't be afraid. The prophet answered because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then he prayed this simple prayer that I pray over you today. God, open his eyes so that he can see. He didn't pray that God would change the circumstance. He just prayed that he would see it through a different lens. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked up and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Why? Because God protects his people. You don't have to fear the devil because he's a defeated foe. God is going to fight for us, and this, I promise you, is going to be the best year of your life. In Jesus' name, we are going to take more ground. In Jesus' name, you are going to soar to higher heights. God is going to grow your influence. Together, we are going to see souls saved. We're going to see marriages restored. We're going to see children rescued. We're going to see addiction broken in the name of Jesus. We're going to see the gospel preached and campuses planted. We're going to do more and see more than we ever have before. Because physical sacrifice brings about supernatural victory because we have supernatural power because we leaned into supernatural favor and we live with supernatural help. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray that God would lead us as we pray about the sacrifice each of us should make as we enter into the next season of fasting and prayer. But first, I just wonder how many of you are here And for whatever reason, you're far from God. You're so connected to the world that God's a million miles away. You don't have to leave here that way because salvation is a free gift. There's nothing that you could do to earn it. Today, I want you to know the best thing that you could do to start 2024 off on the right foot is to surrender to Jesus because then you position yourself for the supernatural help that we all need for the favor of God, the power of God, ultimately the victory of God. If that's you, I want you to know God loves you. Everyone here is in the same spiritual hospital, just some of us got here before you. It's an amazing journey that God wants to take you on of fulfillment and purpose. But it begins with surrender. Maybe that's you today. Don't miss this moment to surrender your life to Jesus. Everything will change and you'll never be the same. So at every campus, as campus pastors are joining me on the stage, in just a moment, we're gonna pray a very simple prayer with you. We're not gonna make you stand or come to the front afterwards. We're just going to pray with you where you're at and connect you with Jesus. But we would love to know that you want to be counted in on this prayer just by a physical act of lifting up your hand. At every campus, would you just do that right now? You say, Dave, I need to start the year by surrendering to Jesus. Just lift your hand up high. Come on, right now, right now, right now. At every campus, yeah. Out in the lobby, in the cafe, wherever you're at today. That's awesome. So proud of you. You can put your hands down if you haven't already. Here's what we'll do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you can pray quietly in your heart because it's between you and God. Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me today for all of my sin. I repent. I want to change. Today I give you my life, and I put my trust in you. Thank you for dying for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for this amazing, amazing movement called iTown. For each one of these precious people and the incredible plans that you have for their lives, for their calling, for their family, for their children. God, as we set aside time Over the next 21 days, we thank you that our sacrifice will become delightful and pleasing to you. We want and need the favor of God in our lives. We thank you for dispatching angels on our behalf and the answers to prayers and miracles will come. Father, we thank you for the difference that will be made because of this season of fasting and prayer. As always, we're careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on, church, can you help me celebrate those who prayed that prayer today? Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining Itown Church Online today. We would love to have the chance to meet you and your family in person at one of our campuses, or of course you can join us streaming live online this weekend. Now for more details about times and locations and even some of our streaming options, you can go to itownchurch.com. I sure hope to see you soon and God bless.